Robert England. England. Don't keep us dreaming. Come on, I show. Come on, I show. Come on, I show. Prime time. Hey, Harrison. What? What's a ghost's favorite berry? I really don't care. A booberry. You, you can laugh. It wasn't very funny. The late night fright begins now. Only on WKMF, Cozy Corner, Public Radio. Great. You're listening to WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Access Radio. It's the witching hour. Time for the late night fright. With your hosts, Dan and Faith. Welcome, ghosts and goblins, to the Late Night Fright. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, who just got a new haircut, everyone's favorite barista, the owner of the Cozy Cafe, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, we have a very special guest with us tonight, and we're actually not in studio tonight. Tonight, we are coming to you from the Monroe Mystery House. We will get into that in just a bit, but we have a very special guest. He really needs no introduction, but we're going to give him one anyway. He is perhaps the biggest box office star in history, a very amiable fellow. Ladies and gentlemen, you know him. Faith, do you want to introduce him? Of course. Please do. We have Harrison Ford. It's, uh, it's me. I'm, uh, I'm here on the uh, on the radio. Harrison, uh, do you want to tell our listeners why you are with us tonight? No, not really. We'll uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, first, uh, to anyone listening to us uh, here in Cozy Corner or out there in the world, we want to thank you for tuning in. We know you have a lot of options as to what you listen to, and we're very, very happy to have you here with us. Um, Faith, we need to get some things out of the way. We live in a very strange town. Oh, yeah. So... If you've been following the show, you know that a few weeks ago, Lothar, Faith's ex-boyfriend, he is your ex-boyfriend, isn't he? Mm, I don't like to call it that. Okay. Mm. Um, he cast a spell that raised some zombies. Two weeks ago, someone we don't know who raised Flatulus, the evil fart demon. And last week, a UFO driven by the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, crashed right here in Cozy Corner. Now, the amazing thing about this UFO is he crashed, Faith, because he crashed right into the town. He got out, said hello, called AAA, and he was back on his way. And these two fellas, I think they were called Skeeter and Mutu, mm -hmm. showed up. And 
got him fixed up and he was he had his peanut butter banana sandwich and he was on his merry way but the appearance of the ufo caused an emf disturbance and so no one's cell phone was working so no one believes us that it happened which has kept us at number three on the list of strangest cities in america of course Duluth is still holding strong at number one. Again, like I said last week, it is all political. And this place called Plumpville, I I don't know what that is. Do you have any idea what that is? I have no idea. Neither do I. We still need to do some investigating into that. But um, as I said, we are on location tonight. We are not in the studio. And Faith, do you know what that means? No phone calls tonight. Oh, we have had the worst luck with phone calls. <laughs> yes, we have. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, we're here because the spiritual leaders in this town, and as I said, Faith, this is a weird place. Oh, absolutely. They're getting together tonight. The psychokinetic activity has been off of the chart. And these uh, these people are getting together tonight here in the Monroe Mystery House. And they call it the Monroe Mystery House because... Mrs. Monroe, she acquired this vast fortune from her husband, and her husband, Mr. Monroe, was the guy who invented that little plastic thing that goes on the end of shoelaces. Yeah, I don't know what they're called, but he made a fortune in that. Apparently, he got very tired of freight ends, and he he did something about it. And so they built this house, but it's it's a conduit for spiritual and psychokinetic energy. And so we've got... A lot of different faith denominations say because apparently the door has been breached and they're going to try and close it. And we're here. Well, we just really didn't want phone calls, did we? No. (laughs) And so we want to be here at ground zero because I have a feeling that we're not going to finish the show anyway. So probably not. Why not be at ground zero where where it all goes down? But um, I think we have a pretty good show tonight, though. We do have a gentleman here. Oh, look, Faith, he's scowling at us. Really? want to be here well you're here and it's court ordered all right fine i'll tell them i went on the muppet show and i uh punched a muppet right in his face which which one was it elmo i don't i don't like elmo either faith (laughs) faith you like elmo i kind of do really a little bit yeah you wouldn't like him well i'll let you too Sort that out. Uh, as always, here we go. Uh, well, I'm I'm going into the news. I didn't even tell everyone what we're doing tonight. I need to tell them what we're yeah. doing tonight, don't you think? Mm-hmm. We have a great show. We have a new track from Weird Gal, our resident songwriter here in Cozy Corner. And we're going to be talking about a movie that I really like, Faith. Do you like this movie? I love this movie. We're going to be talking. Harrison, this is a movie of yours. All right. What Lies Beneath... Is that the one? Um, is that the one where I was with that uh, Amish girl? Uh, what's her name? Um, Chill Willis McGillis Kelly. That that was Witness Harrison. Uh, I was in with this one, Michelle Pfeiffer. I remember her. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that movie in just a little while. But first, as always, the news. Despite the recent wave of zombies, fart demons, and UFO crash landings, business is booming in Cozy Corner. Haddonfield Sitters, a babysitting service located in Illinois, has opened an affiliate right here in Cozy Corner. 
Haddonfield sitters are trained in firearms, knives, martial arts, and survival skills. Company founder Lori Strode released a statement saying, We all remember what happened in Haddonfield in 1978. We won't let that happen again. Local sleaze merchant and smut peddler E. Buzz Miller, former host of E. Buzz Miller's Art Classics, E. Buzz Miller's Animal Kingdom, and E. Buzz Miller's Exercise World, has opened a new gentleman's club and restaurant called Chicken Strips. Miller says the idea has been rolling around in his head for a long time. Of the club, he said, Hey, who doesn't want to eat fried chicken tenders and see some naked dancing broads? The Cozy Corner Society of Women have been picketing the yet-to-be-open facility. Regarding the picket lines, Miller said, Hey, I don't know what those broads are so upset about. My naked dancing broads are all going to college, and this is a classy place. I got art on the walls of this establishment. Fine art of naked posing broads by the like of Tidian. That's right, Tidian. Miller added he's not worried and expects the club to launch on time, saying the biggest challenge he faces is whether to call his all-girl naked bar band ZZ Topless or John Cougar Mellon's Tramp. A dinner party at the home of local billionaire Mr. Body turned deadly over the weekend. Police believe that Mr. Body was murdered by one of his six dinner guests. They have released the names of the detained suspects. They are Mrs. White, Mrs. Peacock, Mrs. Scarlet, Mr. Green, Colonel Mustard, and Professor Plum. Though details are sketchy at this time, preliminary reports indicate that according to the cards they've been dealt, the police believe Mr. Body was killed by Mrs. Peacock in the conservatory with the lead pipe. Spring is just around the corner, and you know what that means, Cozy Corner. Baseball. That's right. Our new minor league affiliate, the Cozy Corner Cauldrons, are set to start their inaugural season under manager Crash Davis. Davis, the minor league home run record holder, said of the upcoming season, look, it's a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. I don't want to see any lollygagging, and I believe the novels of Susan Sontag are still overrated, self-indulgent crap. Good luck, Cauldrons. We can't wait to see you in action. Well, Faith, I like I said, I'm I'm pretty excited about the show tonight. Yeah, I am too. What lies beneath? We have Mr. Harrison Ford here. Yeah, I'm real excited to be here. We know you are. Uh, you know, as always, we uh, we let you know last week we go to Hooters before we do the show, and we carried on that tradition tonight. Bobby was nice enough to let us sit in his booth. By the way, where is Bobby? I have no idea. Now, I know, Faith, you've been seeing a lot of Bobby recently because, Faith, you are in a community theater production of Harrison. This is actually another one of your movies. Cozy Corner Community Theater is doing a stage production of The Empire Strikes Back. Faith, isn't that right? That's correct. And you, my friend, got one of the leads. Do you want to tell them who you're playing? I'm playing Leia. And our good friend Bobby, the host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. Faith, do you want to tell them who he's playing? He is playing Han Solo. You already did that years ago. We, We know you did. But uh, but no one has seen Bobby recently for a few days. I think, you know, when it comes time for us to do the show that he's he's going to start to lay low because, I mean, he has not had a good run of no, luck not at all. recently. But uh, but like I said, I have no expectations tonight. I do not expect us to finish the show. We have not finished a show yet. And we are at ground zero. There is a seance ritual that's going to go on here very shortly. They're going to try and get the rift closed because things have just been a little wonky here. Um, 
Also, uh, we failed to mention this. I can't believe it didn't make the news. A Madame Hill of Madame Hill's Juju Emporium got a court-ordered injunction against the Welsh Jennings Corporation. That corporate, no one knows what they do. Faith, do you do you I, know what they do? No, Harrison. Have you, Harrison, have you heard of the Welsh Jennings Corporation? Yeah, I've heard of them. Well, do you know anything about them? Not really. They uh, they back to a truckload of money up to my house and asked me to do their commercials. I think they got uh, I think they got Bob Hoskins or somebody. No, they did, they actually didn't get Bob Hoskins. Uh, he's dead. They got a. Uh, Michael Caine, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's been pimping on pretty big recently here. But uh, so it looks like the King's Palace Drive-In is going to be operating for a little while longer. And I know Faith, you're excited about very that. excited. And uh, so we're uh, we're about to go to break. But uh, again, we want to welcome all of our listeners from around the world. Uh, and Faith, the ratings came out. We are still number one with the prisoners. Wow! And with the students. And I have a message. I have a personal message. To the prisoners out there, you guys in Cozy Corner Prison, it's never too late to mend. And to all of you students, dream big. Maybe one day you can have your own show on WKMF. You never know. Yeah, that sounds like something I would aspire to. Hey, be nice, Harrison. Um, yeah, we didn't finish the Hooters story. So we went to Hooters like we do before every show. Please don't tell the story. No, we're going to tell the story. We have to tell the story. So Bobby lets us sit in his booth when he's not there. Reserve booth. Very good. Uh, They have like special leather there. I mean, he's he's a regular. And uh, so we brought Mr. Ford with us. And uh, we, we sat down, as we always do. And Harrison was sitting next to Faith. And we asked him, hey, do you want anything that's on us? And he didn't want anything. I didn't want anything at the time. I I thought that uh, Hooters was a um, nature conservatory. No, it's it's a restaurant. Well, I figured that out. But uh, he said he didn't want anything. And this man, this mega millionaire movie star, proceeded to eat off of both of our plates. Yep, he even dipped his dipped my fries into my ranch. And it was delicious. It wasn't so much that you did that. It was that you would point at things and tell us to look away and then, you know, do it on the slide. We would have given you, we would have ordered you a meal. Yeah, we asked. I didn't think I was hungry. Well, all right. We're going to give you a pass because we, we love you. Don't we, Faith? Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. It's great. It's nice to be on your little whatnot tonight. It's good to have you here. Uh, before we go to break, uh, I have I have an announcement. I want to make this. Uh, we have a new friend of the show, Faith. Who is it? It is a gentleman on Instagram. He goes by the handle Hooked on Horror. He is from Wales, over there in England. Oh, you know, we nice. have another friend over there in England, yeah. the Cenobite Queen herself, Miss Wendy Parker. Nice. Well, this gentleman is in Wales, and he is a big teddy bear of a guy and he posted some pictures recently his friend jack is undergoing uh some cancer treatments right now and our buddy uh hooked on horror he has shaved his head and his beard in solidarity with his friend oh that's awesome and his buddy jack is on instagram as well and his twitter handle is the donovan gang and that is the underscore donovan underscore gang 
and they have set up a, a page where you can donate. He's going to start treatments in March and to hooked on horror to your friend, Jack, we love you. We're pulling for you and you keep in touch and let us know how that's going. And listeners, please, anything you can do, send good thoughts, vibes, prayers, whatever it is that you like to do. And if you can send money, I know Jack would certainly appreciate that. So Jack, we're pulling for you. And I'm looking here and it is time for us to go to our break. But as first, as first, who says as first ghosts and goblins? I just did. It must, it's, it's been a, it's been a long day, but first we have our newer segment. This is the booger of the week. Booger of the week. I'm glad you asked Harrison it. Uh, my uncle used to call the boogeyman, the booger man. So, any movie with a monster or, or creature feature was thus dubbed a booger movie, and that's why we call it the booger of the week. That sounds stupid. It is. We'll be right back. Booger of the week. Booger of the week. Boris Karloff had appeared in 80 movies and was 44 years old when he was cast as the monster created by Dr. Henry Frankenstein in his 81st film, the one that would catapult him to screen immortality. But it was his role in 1932's The Mummy that solidified his superstardom. They say the eyes are the window to the soul, and Karloff's eyes and mannerisms are on full display here presenting a romantically tragic man with a highly obsessive and predatory nature. Karloff's Imhotep is a dangerous creature, and while the film shares more than a bit in common with 1931's Dracula, Karloff creates a character as iconic as Lugosi's Count, and his appearance in Jack Pierce's makeup as the decayed mummy is truly a sight to behold. Boris Karloff as Imhotep is our booger of the week. That's Michael Kane for West Jennings. So you got a little injunction against West Jennings, did you? Stopping us from breaking ground on a new facility, huh? I don't worry. We'll be here soon enough. We have our ways. Wells Jennings. Don't worry about our ways. Worry about what you're going to have for dinner. Wells Jennings. Michael Kane. See you soon. Cozy Corner. The Cozy Corner Community Playhouse proudly presents a production of The Empire Strikes Back, starring Faith from The Late Night Fright and Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after The Late Night Fright. I love you. Yeah, I know. Come see the Cozy Corner Community Playhouse production of The Empire Strikes Back. 
Ticket proceeds go to Madame Hill's injunction against Welsh Jennings. Da, 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 da. I'll grab a little joke for you. What's that? Your show! That was a low blow. Yeah, your show blows. We'll be right back. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, specializing in amulets, talismans, and spell books. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, located on Sacred Burial Road next to King's Drive-In Theater. Madame Hill's Juju Emporium, Juju for you. The 2000 supernatural thriller film What Lies Beneath, starring Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer, was directed by Academy Award-winning director Robert Zemeckis from a story by nine-and-a-half-week screenwriter Sarah Kernichan and a script by Clark Gregg, who would later go on to play Phil Coulson in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Zemeckis had been looking for a thriller, and he approached the material with the mindset of making an Alfred Hitchcock film with digital technology. Ford and Pfeiffer were his first choices for the roles of Norman and Claire Spencer, a seemingly normal couple whose lives begin to unravel when secrets from the past come back to haunt them. Zemeckis had been working on the Tom Hanks movie Castaway, and when that production shut down to allow Hanks to lose weight for his role, Zemeckis used the same crew to make What Lies Beneath. Ford and Pfeiffer are joined by James Ramar and Miranda Otto as the Fjords, their new next-door neighbors, Diana Scarwood as Claire's spiritual friend Jody, Joe Morton as Dr. Drayton, a therapist Claire visits, and Amber Valeda as Madison Elizabeth Frank, the poltergeist that has started haunting Claire. Featuring a score from Alan Silvestri, What Lies Beneath was released on July 21, 2000 to mixed reviews. Michelle Pfeiffer earned good notices for her performance, and the film was the 10th highest grossing picture at the box office in 2000. But none of that really matters. Faith, what did you think of What Lies Beneath? I love this movie. I love this movie, too. Now, you said something last week that uh, this was actually your Harrison first Harrison Ford movie. And speaking of Harrison, he has wandered off. He is aimlessly walking around the Monroe Murder House, <laughs> Mystery House here. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back to give us a little insight into the movie. But, um, but you said uh, last week that this was the first Harrison Ford movie that you ever saw. That I recall, yeah. That you recall. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the two people that are in this because this movie is really, it really hinges on these two people being in this movie. But to properly talk about this movie, I think we need to talk about Alfred Hitchcock and I am in no way an expert on Alfred Hitchcock. I've seen several, many of his movies. I think they're all wonderful. I think he's one of the genius, brilliant directors of the 20th century and of all time. Faith, what do you think about Hitchcock? I feel the same way about you. I've seen a ton of his movies, but I'm not an expert on them, but I love them. I, I do too. And there seems to be a Hitchcock style. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you just some basic uh, running points here. And his fingerprints are really all over this movie. And uh, this is, again, very generalized. I'm not an expert in this. They have classes that are taught on him in film school. Um, 
So, uh, and also, uh, if you're interested in this, check out a website called The Film Techniques of Alfred Hitchcock. A guy named Jeffrey Michael Bays runs it, and it's a very valuable website full of some great information. If you're interested in film, uh, if you're interested in Hitchcock, check this out. This is the website for you. But um, Hitchcock coined a term that we still use today called the MacGuffin, and the MacGuffin is essentially... Nothing. It's something to hang tension on in a movie. Uh, in Psycho, it's the money that Marion Crane has with her. The money isn't important. The money is lost. But the effect that the money has on the characters and, and their motivations in the plot is important. But the money itself is not important. Um, Hitchcock would also develop screenplays with a, with his screenwriter. He thought that the script was the absolute crucial element to a film. And how different is that from today, Faith? When you hear all these movies, they say they went into production without a script. Yeah. Well, an unfinished script. And he um, he worked very closely with the writer. He thought that the script was the absolute god of the movie. And this is a quote from him. To make a great film, you need three things, the script, the script, and the script. He did not put a lot of importance on dialogue, and this is something very important to understand about him. He saw film as a purely visual medium, and he employed visual storytelling. And this is very important because he was first and foremost a storyteller, and the guy that worked on What Lies Beneath, he's a storyteller. And so we're going to get into that. Um as far as the modern guys go, Ridley Scott is a guy that likes to work closely with the screenwriter. Um, we talked about Predator last week and how the last act of that movie is essentially a silent film. And you're going to see that here as well. Uh, in the visual storytelling, one of my favorite bits, if you really want to understand how this works, is the very first shot in Star Wars. The little rebel spaceship shows up and then there's the big Imperial cruiser and you know exactly who mm -hmm. these people are, you know what this movie is going to be about. And so visual and Zemeckis is a very visual guy. Hitchcock cared about the audience. He's there to entertain you and he's going to use every trick at his disposal to do so. Um, here's a famous quote of his, a glimpse into the world proves that horror is nothing other than reality. So he liked looking at, kind of normal everyday things and finding for lack of a better term things that lied beneath so and the final point about alfred hitchcock alfred hitchcock loved blondes he loved having blonde-headed women in his movie his favorite blonde was grace kelly the wonderful grace kelly this movie has a blonde in it I think a really wonderful blonde mm -hmm. and there's a uh, someone else in it with her who I think is pretty good too. So let's get into it. Michelle Pfeiffer. Faith. How, how good is she in this? She's brilliant. I love her. She's I, always been one of my favorite actresses personally. We were watching this and I have a hard time sometimes when, when I get put on the spot, I can rattle off three, four, five guys who are my favorite actors of all time. I always have trouble sometimes and I forget about her and she's amazing in this movie. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about her because given the background on the Hitchcock stuff, I think you, we need to talk about the two people that are the leads in this because they were picked 
they were the first choices mm-hmm. for this. And there's a reason I believe that they were the first and only choices for this movie. So let's start with kind of the more showy performance here, Michelle Pfeiffer. So you said you like her. I do. What, um, as far as a screen persona or a screen presence, uh, what, what have you gotten off of her in the past? I think me and you have talked about it. She seems like she's kind of put together in a sense, but she also seems like she has this mysterious side to her. She's got something hidden in her. I think she has a, a very dark side, and I don't mean that she's a creeper. No. I think, and I've said this about her for years, she's a California girl. She's a California blonde. She, I think she said before that she used to go surfing all the time. She'd rather have been surfing. She was the girl who was sitting on the beach to me reading Edgar Allan Poe or H.P. Mm-hmm. Lovecraft or something yes. like that. She, um, There's a good reason that she fits in so well with the Tim Burton world. Mm-hmm. And there's something... It's it's a very hard quality for me to define. It's not that she's off. It's there's just this kind of playful thing in her. Exactly. A very in talking about Tim Burton, I think uh there's an inner Lydia Dietz to her. Like yes. <laughs> like her whole life is a dark room. Yeah. So so there but there's something that's very uh under the surface with her and she is this is very interesting to me about her. She is not a trained actress. She has had uh, no formal schooling and I actually didn't know that it's uh, so she's kind of found her way and someone described her once as being a character actress in a screen sirens body and also remarking that she has the unique ability to mask her true feelings, emotions. And here's a quote from her that, uh, that we very rarely are very rarely are we talking about what we're really thinking. And I think, she can play on her face better, better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, especially you see that. So in that dark little twisted side of hers, uh, uh, we like to do this at the end, but since we're here talking about her, uh, favorite performance of Michelle Pfeiffer. Catwoman. Catwoman. Catwoman all the way. Complete agreement on this end. Catwoman, hundred percent. Um, one other thing I want to I want to mention about Michelle Pfeiffer is she is an actress that has worked in a variety of genres. Uh, there's no she's not associated with just one genre in particular. She's done musicals. She's known for Grease Two and Hairspray, uh, thrillers, mysteries. Uh, she's even done a few action movies. Um, she's a wonderful actress across the board. Um, and let me add this because I was thinking about this as we were going through the spiel on her. She doesn't seem to be preoccupied with Hollywood. Mm-mm. She's she seems very grounded yeah. for the most part. So we've got her out of the way. Now let's talk about her dance partner in this, <laughs> who is still wandering around this house <laughs> somewhere. Harrison Ford, probably the biggest uh, box office draw of all time. And Faith, your interactions with him just a few minutes ago, mm-hmm. notwithstanding. What do you think of Harrison Ford? I love Harrison Ford. Love him. I I love him too. You know he's a little different, but (laughs) he's a little different. (laughs) But I love him. I do too. And he's a he's a guy too who seems uh, interactions that we've had here on the show tonight, notwithstanding, very grounded. He doesn't seem to be preoccupied with the with the Hollywood thing. Um, He definitely, as we said, Michelle Pfeiffer, she's kind of a chameleon. She, uh, you know, she's in a lot of different genres. There's, there's not a Michelle Pfeiffer persona 
per se on screen. Right. He's completely different. There is a persona with Harrison Ford. And would you like to say what, what that is to you? I mean, to me, he's always playing the good guy, pretty much. He is, he's definitely associated with the good guy. And that goes back to his breakthrough role. And I think all of you out there know what that is. Han Solo in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think all of us want to be Han Solo. But as we said before on the show, we all kind of tend to be Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was I was thinking about this, his screen persona and, and what that is. And he is he is associated with uh, heroism, but he's also reluctant. And Han, Han Solo is a reluctant character. Indiana Jones is a reluctant character. If you look at what I think is his best dramatic performance in Witness, there's a reluctance to him in Witness as well. There's always kind of a heart of gold under those characters and he's got a very quiet reserve to him for the most part, but there's always the underlying hint of a bastard hiding out underneath that character. Um, but he's another one like Michelle Pfeiffer. He can play it on his face and he can do it without words. And, and for any of you out there, I know a lot of you have seen the movie, the fugitive. It's kind of a modern classic. Um, it's almost a silent performance from him. And he plays that entire film on his face. And he is, as we said, he's the biggest movie star of all time, possibly at least as far as box office goes. And I think he's kind of sometimes underrated as an actor. Oh, I totally agree. Just how good he is. Um, And as we talk about the faces and so you've got two actors who can play things on their face very well and they can hide things from you. They can show you what they're thinking. And this ties in to what is going on in this movie. And it's encapsulated in the scene where Michelle Pfeiffer goes to see um, Madison Elizabeth Frank's mother. And she makes a comment about having the TV on mute. And she says, you don't even have to hear the words. It plays on the faces. And so this ties in with Hitchcock and visual storytelling and why these two were picked to be in this movie. And I personally think they were maybe the only people that could have been in this movie. Yeah, I think so too. So we're about to get into the movie, but we are talking about one of our favorites here, Harrison Ford. So faith favorite Harrison Ford performance. Ugh, it's that's a really tough question, but I think Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. It's a toss-up yeah. for me between the two kind of iconic performances, Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Um, so I'm going to go with both of those because it's very it's very hard to pick just it one. Um, but I would also like to add, I think his work in Witness is wonderful. Uh, the Fugitive is another one that I think everybody needs to check out if you haven't seen it. Um, but uh, I'm going to go with the left field choice here. I think you're a fan of this one, possibly. Uh, if you want to see Funny Ford, watch Hollywood Homicide. <laughs> yes. That movie caught a lot of guff when it came out. It, it wasn't very well reviewed. It didn't do that well. I think that movie is aging wonderfully. I think he's funny as hell in it. And watch that movie. And with that said, I also want to add, I think... His performance in What Lies Beneath might be one yeah. of his one of his best. I really don't think I've seen anything that he's done that I don't really like. You know, <laughs> they're very few and far between. Yeah. He uh, he always brings something to a real sense of realism. Even to something like 
Star Wars. Uh, we rewatched the first movie within the past year, and he is very grounded in that kind of fantastic world. And Faith, do you want to tell him from the moment that he showed up in the film what we were doing every time he opened his mouth in that movie? You don't remember the chuckles that we had every time he opened uh, his mouth? I think, I, yeah, I think I remember. It, it, we had to stop the film a few times because, That's right. <laughs> especially the part where they're on the Millennium Falcon and they're trying to get away, and then Mark Hamill's <laughs> trying to get in the cockpit with him, and he's he's not having any of that. He had a very bad day in that film. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a great actor, and um, they were the two choice. They were the first choices for. For these roles, the now only let's choices, the right? only choices for the roles, and uh, I also read that he um, he actually cleared his schedule to do this. He mm-hmm. really wanted to be in this movie, and she did too. And uh, I'm glad they did. Me too. So we've talked about the actors and kind of giving you a little background because we're we're going to kind of ease into where we're going with this. So let's talk about the characters that they play. Uh, let's start with Claire Spencer. Who is she to you? To me, just viewing her from the beginning, she seems like a normal mom who has a teenage daughter going to college. But I feel like I can sense something in her from the beginning that there's something. There's something, something percolating under the surface with her. It, the title itself, what lies beneath. Right. There's there's a lot of things going on underneath the surface in this movie, and her character. I think she's, uh, it appears very normal at first. Mm-hmm. Here's this lady who her daughter's going away. And then you learn that there's been some tragedy in her life and that things aren't exactly what they seem. There's something a little off. Mm-hmm. And you get that sense from the movie from the very beginning. Um, Claire Spencer, uh, the bedroom scene when they're the first time you see him in the bedroom after, uh, the Caitlin has mm-hmm. left. She seems to be uh, very smart because she's able to at least keep up with him on what he's working on. Um, yeah, she's impressed by something that he's that uh, her brilliant geneticist husband, played by Harrison Ford, uh, has cracked, and she un- at least has an understanding of it. She's also very funny in that scene too, uh, with the uh, the little quip about the Swedish sailor cells. Yes. <laughs> uh, very kind of funny, and that's a smart joke. And and so she's a very smart woman. She's also creative and artistic. She kind of has that soul to her. She's a cellist. Uh, she's a supposedly a wonderful musician in the film. And also in that scene, I get the idea that uh, they have a kind of regular zesty sex life. Right. There's. So they're they're doing very well. Everything appears in these first couple of minutes to be very normal exactly. for these two. And but yet, and this is why you get Michelle Pfeiffer to play this role, you get the idea even from the beginning that there's something there's, there's something a little off. Faith, could we say that there's something that lies beneath? Yes. I think we could. <laughs> so we talked about Claire, now let's talk about Norman. Norman Spencer, the brilliant Dr. Norman Spencer, played by Harrison Ford. Now, what are your general impressions of Norman? See, again, he seems just like a normal guy who has a busy career, a wife, a stepdaughter, a nice house. You don't think anything else about him. He seems to be a guy, to me, when I was watching this again, uh, that has a winning lottery ticket. He's very smart. His father was brilliant and... 
that name seems to have gotten him maybe in a few doors. But yeah. he's a guy who's playing it right down the middle. And let's think about this. He's a guy who married a single mom and took took these women in and loves them, at least appears to love them. They have a wonderful house. He has a wonderful career. Um, they've raised this daughter. They have a really good-looking dog. I like the dog a lot. Cooper. Cooper, Cooper yeah. <laughs> and things seem to be pretty good for him. And as I said, they they seem to at least have this wonderful kind of playful, zesty sex life. And they, and they show that without going too overboard. But as with Claire, there's something going on under the surface with mm-hmm. him. And he is not what he appears to be. And... I think we could say that he might have some daddy issues. Maybe so. Maybe so. So, so this is, this is the world that's set up and this world is set up in the first 10 minutes. And speaking of these first 10 minutes, we have to talk about some, we have a, we have a return uh, guest, if you will, to the show. Mr. Alan Silvestri is back. That's right. And he scores this film and, I think he does an absolutely beautiful job. I totally agree with you. With it. And it uh, it's very reminiscent of Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock film uh, that Bernard Harriman, the great Bernard Harriman scored. And we talked about his score for Predator last week and how kind of influential that is and how it really carries the movie. This one does something a little different, though. Faith, do you want to tell them what you noticed about it? About the quiet moments and... The quiet moments. Very quiet moments. Very (laughs) quiet moments. And it comes in with a main title. And we're, I'm going to, I want to make some points about that scene in a minute, but it comes in with this very kind of quiet, creepy main title that sets the mood Mm -hmm. for this piece. And right at the beginning, you, you're right there. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. And to me, what this movie is and what that music says is this is a ghost story. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And his music comes in, and I want to say it's about a minute and a half of music. And then you don't hear any music for about 10 minutes. And when it does come in, it's, it's brilliant. And he has some really nice little motifs in this. And I, I don't think it's as um, uh, showy as his Predator score, but he does a really wonderful job with this. And again, his his score never... Never gets in the way. And there's even uh, talking about the quietness and how they use and don't use music in this film at the end in the third act, when, when it all goes to hell and you realize that spoiler alert, Harrison's the bad guy. Um, uh, that whole scene with the bathtub, even down into the stairwell plays with no music mm-hmm. and almost like a silent film again, like yeah. we were talking about with predator and really, really brilliant. But uh, our buddy, Alan Silvestri is back and, um, you know, he is Italian. And so we might need to let Bobby know about that because I'm sure uh, Alan Silvestri (laughs) might become his new favorite Italian composer. I know he's, I know he's, uh, he's definitely one of mine. And, um, talking about though, another Hitchcock connection. This is, um, another one to be made. Uh, Hitchcock, uh, famously worked with Bernard Harriman. That was his go-to guy. And Steven Spielberg has famously worked with another of our favorites, John Williams, Robert Zemeckis, the guy, that did this movie, he and Sylvestri are a team. So there's even kind of another connection there with the, uh, there you have a director who has a normal guy, a regular, uh, co-creator. And I think they work really, really well together. Yeah, I agree. 
So, um, so let's talk about him. We've mentioned him, Robert Zemeckis. Faith, he's directed a lot of movies and a lot of genres, and that seems yeah. to be a running theme with with this movie. That there's a lot of genres at play here. The um, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer with the genres. Harrison Ford's worked in a, in a lot of different genres. Robert Zemeckis in Hollywood, I think, might is one of the guys who's worked in pretty much every genre. Yeah, and I mean, he's gone from this ghost story to. Uh, Forrest Gump to Christmas movies. <laughs> to Christmas movies. Um, Robert Zemeckis is really interesting because he is part of the crew that started to kind of change Hollywood. He wasn't in the first wave of it. And he's part of this movie mafia from California. Uh, some some guys you might recognize their names. Uh, George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Uh, a fellow by the name of uh, John Milius. And... Let me just make this point. If you don't know who John Milius is, you need to find out who John Milius is. Faith, we watched the documentary on Milius yeah. last year. And tell me, I know it was a while back, but just uh, what you kind of remember about Milius from that documentary. I don't remember too much because I can't remember last week. <laughs> but yes, I know he's he's an incredible guy. He is. He's a very neat guy. And uh, and definitely watch uh, this documentary called Milius. And Zemeckis and uh, our buddy Harrison are are part of this uh, documentary. And as we said, Zemeckis is part of that crew that came up and uh, really started to change movies. And Zemeckis, just as much as his buddies George and Steven, uh, has used effects to tell stories. And when I think of Zemeckis, the first thing I think of, he's a storyteller. He, mm-hmm. I think he's a wonderful storyteller. He's directed, like I said, in every genre and he's directed some wonderful films. He won an Academy Award for, uh, actually for a horror movie called Forrest Gump, but, uh, it's a horror movie. People. It is. It's a horror movie. And we'll talk about that on a later, later episode. I'm not willing to go. Do we into, have to? We'll do a shortened version. Oh. We'll, we'll do the Cliff's Note versions of why Forrest Gump is a horror movie. And you know it in your heart to be true listeners ghosts and goblins out there but um he's a he's a really neat guy Zemeckis is and um he uh he went to film school but he wasn't interested uh as he said in the french new wave and all these kind of avant-garde artsy fartsy things he was interested in walt disney movies he liked uh clint eastwood he was interested in james bond he was interested in popular entertainment and his kind of mo as a filmmaker faith we said this about hitchcock was just to entertain yeah and i think he's i think he's done that um and he's really moved technology forward over the past decade or or so uh you mentioned the christmas movies the motion capture that he's kind of pioneered and kind of perfected uh with the christmas carol and uh beowulf and what's the uh, other polar 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 express and uh he gets he has a reputation as an effects guy but if you look at his biggest hit to date, and I think the one that's in most people's hearts, Back to the Future, that's really not an effects movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's always a bigger idea and a story in his films. And he wanted to do this movie because he wanted to do a Hitchcock movie. And I think to kind of give you an idea of the kind of guy he is, we mentioned this in the bumper, he was making the Tom Hanks movie Castaway and Tom Hanks needed to lose X amount of weight. So they shut down the production and let him go off and do that. Mm-hmm. He took the crew so they wouldn't be out of work for nine months and went and made this movie. Yep. 
So he's uh he's definitely a guy. Um, also, just realized he must really like Tom Hanks. He he really does like Tom like Hanks. Three yeah. movies, I think, at least. Tom Hanks is uh <laughs> Tom Hanks is one of is one of his guys. Yeah. Um. So uh, I I think he's wonderful. And so when you get a guy that's as gifted a storyteller as he is, and technologically savvy, and what's really interesting about this movie is how much technical gimmickry is going on here. But he's a master. You don't even notice it. Uh, watching the making of uh, some of those shots were completely CGI. Even like the boat was was a, a digital composite at the end of the movie. So really neat things going on here. So you have a master director trying to ape another master director. And I think it turned out pretty good. I think so, too. Speaking of Robert Zemeckis, we were mentioning his films. Do you have a favorite of his? Probably Back to the Future. I think I, like. I think it's everybody's everybody's favorite. And don't laugh. I think I kind of like Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. He didn't direct that. Yes, he did. Did he? Yeah. No. Yes, he did. It was on his list of movies. He produced it. I bet. Well, he's part of it in some way. When we go to the break, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> check this out. I th- you just stirred some controversy <laughs> here at the late night fright. I saw it. I know I did. You there was, saw I it. I saw it. You saw it. Are you sure? He was involved somehow. Well, you know, this is great because this ties into the theme of the movie. Are you sure you saw what you saw? (laughs) Uh, Maybe I was seeing stuff. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, I just gave her a Harrison Ford point. I pointed (laughs) at her like Harrison Ford and I got got a little grumpy. Um, So we're about we're about to go to break, but uh, that's a good place to take a break on because I'm I, I might be calling shenanigans <laughs> on you tonight. We uh, we also have to find Harrison. He is wandering uh, he's around probably in some trouble so, somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, look, it's our old buddy Antoine walking by us here at the Monroe Mystery House. Antoine, come on over. Hello, Tom. Hello, Faith. It is I, Antoine Duplass, psychic. How are, so you're here tonight for the big science. That is correct, Faith. I understand you have been having some psychokinetic activity there at the Cozy Cafe. I have. Did you hear my EVP I caught? I heard the EVP. I think it's terrible. I also had one at my house. It has been following me around even in my 1978 Chevette. It keeps asking me to pull its finger and I refuse to give in to his demands because I know the consequences could spell disaster. Well, Antoine, it is, uh, Faith, that's nice of him to stop by, don't you yeah. think? To take the time to to talk with us, and I think it's a great thing that you guys are doing tonight. Because, Antoine, let me ask you, how bad is the rift that's going on right now? Well, this rift is a very serious thing that does need to be addressed or things will get stranger, but to give you an idea of how bad this really is, Faith, you might not understand the analogy I'm about to make, but it is perhaps worse than getting kicked in the ding-ding if you're a man. Faith, do you understand what I'm saying? 
sure. Not yeah, John, we uh, I think we understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. So, uh, if you'll excuse me, I must away to the meeting of the Cozy Corner Spiritual Elders so that we may close the rift. Antoine to play out. Faith, mm-hmm. do you think we're going to finish the show Probably tonight? Probably not. I don't either. Well, we are going to take a break. We also need to find Harrison, who is wandering <laughs> around the Monroe Mystery House. I'm Dan. And I'm Faith. And this is the Late Night Fright. We'll be right back. Did I just say we'll be right back? I never say we'll be right back. What if we don't come back? See you on the other side. Sweet dreams right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. Boy, I've got a new product for you. From my new Kruger Care line, Kruger Care Sleeping Pills. That's right, guaranteed to help you get to sleep and have some sweet dreams. You know you've been missing me, so why don't you come spend a little time with me? Kruger Care Sleeping Pills, they're stuff dreams are made of. And be sure to listen to Sweet Dreams on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio where I help the teenagers with their problems. <laughs> you and I both know what's really going on. Grab a guy sleeping pills. Stuff dreams are made of. Uncle Fred, trust me. <laughs> Take them, bitch! This is Todd Wick, former Hells Angel, ordained minister, and owner of Holy Smoke, Cozy Corner's premier Christian vape shop. Join me every Sunday at 7 a.m. right here on WKML as we discuss the latest in vape juices and salvation. Tell them what we've got this week, Shasta. That's my wife. We got jalapeno dill pickle in John 16.33. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now you're vaping, brother. Holy smoke. Every Sunday at 7 a.m. Only on WKMF. Cozy Corner. Public Radio. I'll opinion you dill pickles on a real thing. Who'd eat that? Sounds like it come out of you sideways. Praise the Lord. Hey, Faith. What are we watching next week at the King's Palace Drive-In? Prom night. Was that that one with uh, Bill Murray where he keeps reliving the same day over and over? No, this is the one with Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, we'll be right back. This is Bobby, host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. If you are getting it on, thinking about getting it on, or perhaps have just gotten it on, then Afterglow is the show for you. Join me as I play the best classic soul and R&B slow jams. My show is responsible for having made more babies than any show in the history of shows. Fact. 
My show is also responsible for having played the 1972 Tower Power Classic Still a Young Man more than any show in the history of shows. Fact. Come get it on with me, Bobby, every Friday night after the late night fright. Afterglow. Love that, Bobby. Yeah, I know. WKMF cannot verify the validity of any claims made by Bobby, but we do urge you to listen to his show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Late Night Fright. I am your host, Dan, and with me, as always, is everyone's favorite barista. And by the way, I love your haircut. Thank you. Do you want to say hi, Faith, again? Hi, Faith. Hello, Faith. We, uh, I'm sure you, you have been tuned in all night because our listeners are very loyal. They don't just come in in the middle of things. Um, we, we had a little disagreement here on the Late Night Fright. <laughs> we were talking about the great Robert Zemeckis. And kind of going through his filmography and faith. Now, now there's another disagreement that's happening here. Faith said, I heard that she said that Robert Zemeckis directed. The, I didn't say he directed. It. Okay. The movie last holiday with queen Latif. Very good movie, by the way. I like it. I like it too. And I thought that she had insinuated that Mr. Zemeckis had directed that movie. I just meant he worked. On the movie. And he did. He was an executive producer on that movie. So Thank you. do you want to go ahead and just call it, call it even? Yeah, you want to just clean? So we're good. Mm-hmm. We're good. So, so yeah. Or I can say, I told you so. That's fine. You can say, I told <laughs> you so. You can say, I told you so. Um, now we did, we did find out a little bit of uh, interesting trivia while we were looking that up. Bob Gale, the gentleman who co-wrote Back to the Future, with Robert Zemeckis, uh, in the eighties, he wrote a Doctor Strange movie, and at a, for a time, if our information is correct here, it appears that around eighty five, eighty six, Mister Wes Craven was interested in directing that movie. So I want that to sink in to everybody out there. We could have had a movie about Doctor Strange with the creative team behind Back to the Future and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. How amazing that would have been so would that have amazing. Been. Speaking of amazing, let's get back to talking about what lies beneath. Let's that was our it. movie for the week. Faith, one thing that I think is wonderful about this movie is it has significant rewatch value. Mm-hmm, absolutely. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? Mm, a good bit. It's one of those movies I always, if it's on TV, you put it on. It's it's a movie for me. I go back to uh, a few times. Um, I, w- I don't want to say every year, but I've I've I go back to it regularly, and mm-hmm. I've probably seen it a dozen times probably since it's have two over, over since time. it's been out. And I find that it's a movie that uh, gets better. It does the more you watch it because because uh, this is a point I want to make about this movie. This is a details movie. Mm-hmm. There are some things going on in this movie that it doesn't overwhelm you, but if you don't know how this story plays out, you're going to miss a lot of things at the beginning. And I think this movie, like I said, significant rewatch value. Um, it also, like you said, when it's on TV, this is the kind of movie, this to me is the perfect 
uh, Sunday afternoon. It's raining outside. Exactly. It's uh, it's a, just a wonderful ghost story. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about some of those details. What are, are your favorite movie. details? I have quite a few. I have um, I noticed when we were watching it this time that Michelle Pfeiffer's clothing changes. Uh, the color, her color palette. She's very kind of Easter egg pastel at the beginning of the movie. And as these things start happening in this house, her clothes start to darken. And there is a point in the movie where she's at the, uh, they're at the party. Uh, and the old lady comes and mm-hmm. talks to her and says, Oh dear, I was worried about you. And she's literally wearing white and black. And then from there on out, it's grays mm-hmm. for the rest of the grays and blacks yeah. for the rest of the film is as her mood starts to change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another great little detail is, that I like is the shot. Uh, I think it's the second time she looks into the bathtub and you can see the reflection of Madison Frank for yeah. a fleeting second. She's there and then she kind of yep. backs away uh, that I didn't catch the first time that I saw it. Uh, I think I did. It's one of those. They don't make a big deal about it. But it's there. Um, and then uh, the other little detail I like, it's kind of silly, but uh, I like the atomic fireballs in the doctor's office. That's my actually my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. My favorite detail. <laughs> very, he's, he's very sweet. I, I like Joe Morton in that scene. Um, uh, I'm going to throw the same question back to you. I know you like the fireballs. What are mm-hmm. some other, other little things you like? Um, I don't know if it's a, a, a major detail. It might be. I think we talked about it. Might even be more of a moment, but um, the graveyard scene, the end. The graveyard scene. I like that little detail of like, oh, she's maybe at his grave. I don't know. It's Madison's. It's yes. I like that. I uh, I like the the color palette there too, with the red rose Mm -hmm. being placed on that white snow. That's that's on there. And then, well, let's talk about something that some people have been arguing about for many years, apparently. Although I don't think it's much Uh of an argument. That uh, you brought us to the graveyard, so let's talk about the graveyard. All right. Is there a face in the snow at the end of this movie? I didn't catch it. You didn't see it? No. I believe that Maybe there, I looked off too soon, but. I believe that there's her face. You, you, you saw it? I saw it. Uh, I saw it open a night in 2000, <laughs> and uh, I've, I've seen it every time since. I do believe, uh, you know, this Don't is know a night. You know, this is a weird night because this rift is opening up with the psychokinetic energy. It has to be closed. And, and we're going to, when we go to our next break, we're going to have to totally check that out yeah, and, for sure. show it and, and get an opinion on this. Um, but just some, some really wonderful details. Now, the imagery in this movie is very interesting too. And to me, the two big images, uh, that he works with are, uh, water mm-hmm. and mirrors. Yeah. Um, and there's just a there's just a wonderful vibe to this movie. It is just a creepy. As soon as it comes on, you're pulled in. It is just kind of a creepy little movie that doesn't mm-hmm. go over the top. And you know, we were talking about details. Here's here's another detail that again, the significant rewatch value of this. You made a point while we were uh, getting ready to do this show that it's Michelle Pfeiffer's movie for a little while, and then it's not. Yeah. And whose movie is it? Harrison, he steals that movie. Let's, you know, we've kind of danced around this issue, but we talked about the Harrison, uh, not the Harrison. See, and we still haven't found him, by the way. (laughs) Um, we talked about the Hitchcock influence on this and the Hitchcock, 
uh, misdirect. And uh, first off, before we get into the big misdirect in this movie, because I think it's not just what happens in the movie. Uh, we were talking about the MacGuffin, and there's a wonderful MacGuffin here with the neighbors, mm-hmm. where you think that it's the Mary uh, Mary Fuhr, mm-hmm. uh, played by Miranda Otto, who uh, has some other supernatural cred. She's on the uh, new uh, Sabrina uh the teenage witch show on Netflix playing uh, her, the ant and, and some uh, fantasy genre uh, credentials. She's in the Lord of the Rings movies. Faith, you know, those movies, don't you? And those are the movies where people walk a lot. Yeah, I've never well, seen them. Well, maybe one day when you have 12 to 16 hours to, to kill watch people, walk. watch people walk. She doesn't do a lot of walking. She does a lot of horse riding in that movie. So, <laughs> but uh, she and James Ramar play, uh, play the uh, Spencer's neighbors. And their name is Fuhr and, you know, doing research for this and the IMDB is just such a wonderful treasure trove of knowledge. Uh, the name Fuhr is Gaelic for green and they have surmised that it means that the grass is greener on the other side of the hill. And she watches them quite a bit, but you, uh, the MacGuffin in this seems to be Mary Fuhr. And you think that with the M E F or her initials Mm -hmm. and you think that it's her. And so for a long time, you think that, that's what this movie is about. And Michelle Pfeiffer plays going crazy better than anybody that I've seen in a movie (laughs) in this film. And, but you've got Harrison Ford there in the back Mm -hmm. and he's really not doing much. No, not at all. (laughs) But he is doing a lot. Yeah. He's, uh, he's actually building this character, of this guy who has some severe daddy issues and you get the little flashes of anger from him. Uh, and then the question, you know, and he's having to be supportive of this woman who may or may not be a total nut job. So, but, um, so there's your MacGuffin and that's the misdirect in this movie is you think it's her. And then it turns out that it's actually this woman, but I think there's a bigger misdirect that Mr. Zemeckis plays on people here and that is when this movie switches gears it turns out that the guy who's been the reluctant hero for all these years he's actually the villain (laughs) he's the booger he's the booger at the center of this movie and he's pretty vile you would have never have imagined never that that way never in a million years and and i'm gonna go back i um Faith, we established last week, you are of a certain age and you were younger when this movie came out. So you've mm-hmm. come to it later. And honestly, I probably saw it when it like first came out. Like, okay. Like right when it was on TV or so. In the pre cozy corner. That's a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, the, the pre cozy cafe yeah. days. Long time ago. And so I grew up, uh, the very first movie that I saw in theaters was Star Wars and fell in love with Han Solo. Like everyone, like, like everyone <laughs> does. And, uh, so Indiana Jones, uh, and then the other movies, you know, as I got older, Blade Runner, the, the Jack Ryan movies, this, he is legitimately, and don't tell him this when he comes back, but he is legitimately my favorite, uh, uh, actor of all time. He's, I think he's wonderful. He's in my list for sure. He, I think he's wonderful in so many respects. When it was revealed that he was indeed the killer, there was an audible gasp. <laughs> in the movie theater. And I heard an interview with him 
where he said he took this role because he got to play the villain, which is something he never got to do. But he was very aware of this. I think Zemeckis was aware of this. He got to turn the iconography of who he is to, to movie audiences on its head. And I think, I think he's chilling in this. Me too. What, um, when it switched, what was your favorite little bit when it kind of becomes his movie, as you say? What about it kind of got you? I think as soon as he starts, doesn't he throw her against something or he does something like that? He does, yeah. Like, whoa, okay, he comes up. He comes up behind her. Yeah, Han Solo tries to kill Cat. Right. You know. (laughs) Um, Whoa. But we were talking about details, and I want to go back to a detail that's at the beginning of this movie that uh, maybe gets overlooked. Again, significant rewatch value. Do you remember the first time you see him in this movie? Does he come downstairs in the kitchen? She's actually, she is, uh, she gets the daughter up and she walks to the window. She's looking out the window and she's looking at the neighbors. And you remember he's going for a run. He comes up behind her. He comes up behind her. And what do you see first? You see that hand Mm -hmm. and he almost in a choking, kind of puts it on her neck, Mm -hmm. choking kind of motion, which which is how he tries to get her at the end of the movie. Mm For me, where I went, um, wow, he's great in this is when he's putting her in the bathtub. And oh, yeah. first off, the, the comment about the water being, ooh, that's cold. Just how nonchalant <laughs> he is. And then he's looking at her, and then the dog comes up and, hey, Coop. He you know. like, hey, you, you want to go for a walk? <laughs> let's go for a walk. Hey, let's, let's go find your ball. Um, <laughs> that wasn't him. That was me. He's still wandering around. Um, he, but just absolutely chilling. And, uh, you know, we, I would be remiss here. We have been talking about this for a few weeks now. Uh, I want to make a, I want to bring this up because we haven't talked about this tonight. Uh, the cake ball situation here in town. Now we made an announcement last week that cozy corner faith said it. She laid it down. She drew the line in the sand that if we can get Robert England on this show, and let's talk about this for a second. Do we want him physically on the show with us or are we willing to take a voicemail? What, what are we? No, I think physical. We want him <laughs> on, the, on show. the show. Cozy corner. I mean, we, last, you know, resort is, is a voice, voicemail. Voice we want, but no. we want Robert Engel on the show. We haven't mentioned Robert England uh, yet. We always mention Robert England on the show. So Robert, come on the show. And I hope you enjoyed the little bit of music that we had. We we did play that little bit of music earlier. Um, but uh, when they were cast in Star Wars, everybody was reading for all of those parts. And Robert England was one of the guys who went in and read. I think he read for Luke Skywalker and for for Han Solo. Um, and you can we all need to thank Robert England because one of his BFFs in Hollywood, Mark Hamill, he got him to go audition for Luke Skywalker and. Thank the movie gods for that. <laughs> for real. Because <laughs> the right guy played that role. Robert England auditioned for Han Solo. And I had this conversation with my good friend Cade, um, who's going to be on the show hopefully soon. Uh, how different would movie history have been if, let's say, Robert England gets the Han Solo role and then eventually Harrison Ford gets the Freddy Krueger role? I can't see it. You can't see. I think even, you said you can see Harrison as Freddie. I still can't see it. 
I, I can't see watch it. One. Watch the movie again. Watch watch how just nonchalant he. I, it would have been a different, I think, a different vibe. But I think I think he can play anything. And again, don't tell him when he comes back. I'm gonna tell him. Okay, fine. You can tell him. But um, I I think the movie's wonderful. I think it's a I think it's a great film. Um. So we're going to start wrapping this up. We always have our little favorites section here. Um, but first, Faith, let me ask you this. One of the knocks on this movie when it came out, and Roger Ebert was pretty adamant about this, was that um, the supernatural element, Hitchcock wouldn't have used the supernatural element. And therefore, he kind of, I don't know if maybe he didn't give a good review because of that, because it was claiming, you know, to be yeah, know, I going read, after, I read that after the Hitchcock uh vibe uh what do you think of the supernatural element in this movie i like it what do you think i i love it i think i think it makes it work i think so too i mean i think it could have been a good movie without it you know she lives with her normal husband who's a psychopath but i like ghosts so and then it works well i think it's a really good ghost story i think so too i think it's just a very well done timeless ghost story and i think the timeless nature of it the the issues that are brought up in this film uh the things that these people are uh going through uh, you know marriage problems and whatnot i think a lot of uh, most people have those at some time or another um i don't think everyone marries a narcissistic sociopathic brilliant doctor who (laughs) who drops his uh Who drops his uh, former lovers into the lake? By the way, the the Hitchcock references uh, in Psycho. There's the car in the lake in Faith. What's the guy's name in Psycho? Norman. And what's the guy's name and what lies beneath? Norman. There you go. <laughs> so, oh, and there's also the little rear window connection where she's playing Nancy Drew with the binoculars mm-hmm. and she's looking at them. I love that the, part. Oh, I love it. You feel like you're in there with her, the suspense. You're like, oh, God, who's. <laughs> and when she's on the phone with her friend and, and she's talking, and I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I love her in this movie. I think she's wonderful. Me too. We should try and get her on. We should all these people. Oh, it's an open she- invite. <laughs> Harrison's done the kind of done the show and yeah. he, he was here for a little while. Um, <laughs> and is still missing. And is still missing. So you like the supernatural element I love it. to it. And uh, one final question about this um, Does it feel like a cheap hack job, knockoff, like a used, bad used car? Or no. is it a really well done homage to someone that you can tell they I absolutely adore? I don't think it's a bad knockoff. I don't think it's a bad knockoff so either. In fact, I because think. Well, real quick, not to interrupt you, Mm-mm. but you have your Hitchcock references, but I feel like it's also a movie on its own. It's own movie that kind right. of, you know, it kind of can stand alone. Right. It's, it uh, I don't know. They probably would have knocked it if, if it had just kind of, you know, he, he tried to do like a straight kind of Hitchcock movie. Right. I, I think the supernatural element kind of sets it apart from the Hitchcock that's movies. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, it's like when you hear a song and, and you can hear elements of, of someone right. but it's in that song, still, but it's its own thing. It's own, yeah. Yeah. And it and it seems to be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Very kind of uh, reverential toward Hitchcock, but, but it does its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wonderful. I think that the critics got it wrong on this, uh, but audiences really liked it. They, they went yeah. and saw it at the, at the movie theater and... Uh, watch it, watch it again, give it another shot. And when you watch it, pay attention and then watch it again, because it will reward you. It's, I, I think it's just a very well done, uh, it's very polished mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's very slick and looks good yeah. and it's 
20 years old now and still looks absolutely wonderful. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, so as always, this is our, our final thoughts on this. And, uh, when we get to our final thoughts, uh, we like to kind of do our favorites. So, uh, it's gonna be a little different tonight because this is, uh, not a slasher film. This is not a creature feature with a lot of gore or, or, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, we had kind of had to, had to change it up a little bit, but let's go, um, Let's go favorite performance, Faith. Oh, Harrison Ford, bathtub scene. Harrison Ford for the bathtub scene. Yeah. Um, steals That's my favorite. Okay. And I know you like Michelle Pfeiffer in this as well. Uh, yeah. What about uh, in the supporting performances? Any Anything that you like that stands out? I do. I did like the neighbor. I can't think of what his name was. James uh, James Ramar is Dr. Dr. Fuhrer. I liked him. I liked I liked him, too. Um I it's hard for me to pick between the two the two of them. I think they're equally good. Uh I think he steals it because of the ending. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't see it coming. I didn't see you it coming in and you still don't I'm see saying. it coming. It's like, whoa, okay. And uh I wanted to make a point about casting Harrison Ford in that movie and why I think Zemeckis went with Harrison Ford because a contemporary of his is Michael Douglas. Uh they're around the same age, had, both had wonderful careers. But Michael Douglas has always made a career out of playing bastards mm-hmm. and villains. And you would have seen it coming. I think you would have seen it coming with him. I would have. If I'm sitting there watching Michael Douglas, I feel like I would have known. And not that he's up to something. He's up to something. <laughs> and not that you would have seen it coming, maybe, but when the when the shoe drops and he and it, and it turns and you see who this guy really is, maybe it wouldn't have been so shocking. Like, oh, of course, right. man. He was in Wall Street. He's 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 a bastard, you know. No, no. Indiana Jones is trying to kill Michelle Pfeiffer. Catwoman. And there's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. I know. <laughs> that shouldn't happen. Not at all. Um, but uh, uh, so it's hard for me to pick between the two of them because they're so good. So I'm gonna go with both of those guys. I think are 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 the. the you can't talk about one without the other. You can't. I'm movie. just if I'm gonna pick. Oh, that's fine. You know, that's fine. My, stole it for me. my favorite supporting performance, though, is Joe Morton as Dr. Drayton. I think he's got two scenes in the movie. He steals every scene he's in. He's very warm. He's very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets the great line that he can't commit uh, until he's had three sessions with her. Uh, I think he uh, and he has fireballs on his desk. <laughs> I mean, I trust a guy who has fireballs. <laughs> Right. Unwrapped for her already too, which was nice. Um, I thought I thought he was great. Um, really, everybody everybody who was in it did yeah. a really great job. Um, even the dog, who's I love the dog, very cute Cooper. Yeah, were you wondering at the end of the movie, well, what happened to the dog? I hope mm-hmm. the dog was all right. <laughs> I was, <laughs> you know, I hope I hope he was all right. So we went with uh, favorite performance, uh, favorite shot. Ooh. In the movie, I think I kind of told you what mine was when he was laying on the floor by the yes. stairs, and she went to grab the keys and the phone out his pocket. And as she's running out the front door, you see his eye open. We're kind of on the floor with him. I just love that kind of kind of classic horror movie just, thing. But that, I think I made a sound out loud when that I was like, "Oh, right." <laughs> I uh, the shot that I like is the. Uh, is when he, uh, I don't remember what they call it, but the chloroform that he uses on her, uh, hella thing? Hella, is that what it is? And, uh, and by the way, speaking of the details, the movie, the script does a wonderful job of introducing all these elements throughout the film. And again, as I've said before, this is writing one-on-one. 
of the bridge where the phone works on the bridge of the uh, electricity, the way electricity mm-hmm. problems are working in the house. And then also the, um, uh, that halophane, I think is, is what we're going to, that's what we're going to call it right now. Um, the way it works on the rats, they mentioned that in the lab. Mm-hmm. And again, you, these are things that maybe you don't notice the first time you're watching it, but they, they definitely add up script, script, script. Um, but she has been knocked out and they put the, uh, I guess the plastic or glass floor and they filmed underneath. So you're looking up through yeah. the floor at her and you see him in that background and, and, and comes through. Um, there were a couple of other really neat moments in the movie, uh, maybe not shots per se, but they did a lot of match cuts, uh, especially in the beginning, which was very interesting with you go down into the water and you see Madison Frank and her eyes open and boom, you're on Michelle Pfeiffer in the bathtub and her eyes have opened and she comes up and then they do a match cut where she hugs the daughter and then you're in a reverse shot when they're in her dorm room. And, uh, mm-hmm. so they're, they're, uh, linking her to these, to these characters. And then what's really nice in that moment too, where she's hugging the daughter is you have this little shadowy reflection in the back of Harrison Ford, just kind of standing there. We don't know what he's thinking, <laughs> but He's a, he's this kind of ghostly presence in the back, which is, I think, a really neat moment. Um, favorite, favorite moment. Do you have a favorite sequence from this movie? And there's some really great sequences in this movie. What's yours? I, uh, I think, uh, I think you, you can't talk about this movie without talking about the bathtub scene. <laughs> the bathtub scene, I think, is, is amazing. And we were talking about the score and it plays with no music. Yeah. It's just that part steals the whole movie for me. It it uh, somebody I remember a reviewer said that this movie does for bathtubs what Psycho did for for showers, showers. and I think I think that's that's pretty good. And the it's marketing the marketing for this movie was nothing but the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really like the seance scene. I think the seance scene is is a lot of fun. I think it builds. If that scene doesn't work, the the next scene where you get it's really creeped out, you know doesn't work so uh you know kind of the build the slow build and then the dog comes in mm-hmm. and there's a nice little jump and a laugh and and i think that's a great scene I, there's there's some really just wonderful moments in the movie but those are those are the two for me that really kind of stick out i'm with bathtub scene bathtub you're going favorite. you're going <laughs> that's my favorite with the bathtub. bathtub so hey look who made it back uh-oh uh, uh, we're really glad that you showed back up, Harrison. Yeah. We uh, we we finished talking about your movie. Yeah, thanks for being part of our discussion. Oh, I was glad to learn uh, any uh, insights I might have. That was really nice of you. Um, we're really glad you're here because we are getting ready to go to a break, and this break is the WKMF news break. And guess what, Harrison? Jeff Fanghorn is out this week, and you're going to be reading the news. Can't wait. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, this is Ross Roberts. Ever since Cozy Corner Public Television lost their funding, the good old people over there at WKMF were nice enough to take me in and give me a home. 
Join me every Sunday morning after Holy Smoke as I paint another masterpiece. And don't you worry, I know you can't see what I'm painting, but I'm going to describe it to you in perfect detail along with other things I see around town, like the men in black that work for that new Welsh Jennings Corporation, those black masses going on in the woods off of Old Sacred Barrel Road, and that really good-looking girl that slings coffee down at the Cozy Cafe. I, I'd like to paint her, if you know what I mean. Join me, Ross Roberts, for what I'm seeing Sundays on WKMF. This is uh, Harrison Ford with a uh, WKMF news update. Authorities are still looking for Greg Huffleplank, also known as Lothar, for his involvement in the uh, recent zombie apocalypse. The hell's wrong with this town? In uh, national news. Oh, come on. Actor Harrison Ford has been ordered to be on the late night freight because he uh, punched a Muppet in the face. Here, yeah, I did it. All right, I'm done with the little whatnot. Back to you. Hello, I am Dan. And I am Faith. And welcome back to the Late Night Fright. Faith, I I think we've had a pretty good show tonight, don't you? I think so. And uh, I want to uh, I want to go ahead and thank uh, Mr. Harrison Ford, even though it was court ordered for being here. <laughs> yeah, Harrison, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Trust me, the uh, pleasure has not been mine. And Faith, you said you uh, you wanted to offer him some tickets right yeah i'd like to offer him two tickets to the play that i'm in you want to come is that the uh, empire strikes back thing yeah i don't want to see that crap i lived it well okay that was not very nice harrison whatever also congratulations on your amazon commercial wasn't that dog cute he was precious there might be hope for you faith Possibly. Well, uh, Harrison, I do from the bottom of my heart. I want to thank you for stopping by, even though it was community service related. Apparently, that's what our show is, Faith. Apparently, Apparently so. if you screw up, you have to come on the show. <laughs> um, I have to ask you, though, because, you know, there's some weird stuff going on. And we have been invited to go take a peek at the seance that they're going to be doing to uh, contain the psychokinetic energy here in Cozy Corner. Uh, Harrison, where did you wander off to? Uh, that uh, Bobby guy. Yeah. We went cow tipping. You went cow tipping with Bobby, <laughs> the host of Afterglow, the show that comes on after the late night fright. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's the uh, co-host of, uh, host of Afterglow, that guy, uh, he, uh, we went cow tipping. That's, that's wonderful. <laughs> Did you have a good time? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, it's been great tonight, Faith, because, you know, the phone lines, we haven't had to take any phone calls. I mean, we've had to put up with, with, uh, someone here with us who wasn't always here 
with us. Right. <laughs> but uh, Not too many interruptions tonight. Not too many interruptions tonight, which has been nice with a nice change of pace. Very nice. Um, so we have an exclusive here to the Late Night Friday. Might be a little different tonight. We might be here at the Monroe Mystery House, but some things don't change. We have a new track from our friend Weird Gal, the resident singer-songwriter here in Cozy Corner. And Faith, I like this track. Oh, me too. I like this track a lot. I think this might be her best work. I think so too. Harrison, do you want to introduce the track? No. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Ghosts and Goblins, here is an exclusive to the Late Night Fright. This is the world premiere of Weird Gal's new song, Strange. See you on the other side.
Church under the bridge. We have the cure for your blood sugar sex magic. A reading from the book of Ketus. Crooked as a hooker. Suck my thumb. Anybody wanna come get some? You're breaking the girl. Let us pray. If you have to ask, you'll never know. Join us every Sunday at the church. Under the Bridge, located under the bridge downtown in Cozy Corner. Give it away, brothers and sisters. Welcome back. I am Dan. I am Faith. And this is a late night fright. Faith, we, we're almost to the end of the show. And, you know, I know this weird thing is going on tonight, but I have a feeling we might actually finish the show. We shall see. We shall see. I want to thank Weird Gal. She is a great friend to the show. I want to thank her for that track. I think it was absolutely lovely. Yeah, that was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I want to thank Antoine for taking the time to stop by before the big event tonight. And as we said, the spiritual council, I guess we call them, of Cozy Corner, we've had some really bad psychokinetic energy and bad run of things recently. And they're going to, and the, the door to the other side is starting to open and they're going to try and close it here. I also, uh, I guess I want to offer a little bit of thanks to our, to our, our guest here. You, you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Harrison Ford. Yeah, that's great. I, I know you mean that. Uh, Harrison, we, uh, we're going to go in. Uh, we're going to see this, uh, this ceremony that they're performing. Would you like to, uh, would you like to come in with us? Sure, why not? Let's go check it out. Your enthusiasm is overwhelming as always. All right, let's go. Something. You mean 
I mean Lady Marmalon. Yeah, that's the one. Faith, look at look at this. It's, it's like a light show. I see that. Like a light show. That is definitely a song. Hey, you're chanting a song! Here's a get down and shut up. What? You're chanting a song. You're chanting a song! It's a song from the 70s! Faith, look at that. What is oh happening? Antoine, what's going on? My dear children, the door has been breached. I suggest you run, Antoine, to play out. Harrison, you did this. I don't want to say I'm sorry. It's all your fault. What are they going to do? Make me come back on the show? Harrison, you little son of a... Hey everybody, it's Dan from the Late Night Fright. Be sure to check out our website, LateNightFright.com, and subscribe to our email list. Also, check us out on Instagram at the Late Night Fright Podcast. Sweet dreams. See you on the other side. <laughs>